Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy Focused YouTube channel. I'm your host, Bobby Lamarco. It's Wednesday. Hey, listen, must be baseball season because we're doing some double headers, folks. And that's right, I got Buck. Once again, on the pod with me, Buck, what's going on, buddy? Doing well, but unfortunately, we still have a ghost runner situation in the MLB where okay. the first runner starts on second. They're not a huge fan of that, Bob, but we're we're, re, we're reshuffling the deck here with this show for our doubleheader, so I like that. Okay. All right. Cool, a little different. All right, I hear you, man. All right, so listen, today's show, we're going to be talking about the NFC West, players with the most to gain and what to lose. We're talking about current players, players that might be on your fantasy radar that could be completely derailed by an early pick at receiver, running back, tight end, you name it. We're going to break these players down today for the NFC West. Before we do, I have a quick question for you, Buck, and I want to see what your thoughts on this are. Sure. A lot of rumblings, and if you saw the thumbnail, folks, we're talking DK Metcalf. Is he on the move? So, Buck, give me your two cents. Do you think DK will be traded, or do you think he's staying in Seattle in 2022? No, I don't believe he'll be traded. I believe he'll be in Seattle for this season at the very least. They're going to have to hang their hat on a guy like DK Young. Kind of a good good face of your program. You know what I mean? Like, he gets out there on the social media circuit. He's he's involved in the community. Likes to sprint against other athletes. Cool stuff like that. Like, you want a guy like that. And he... Puts he puts asses in the seats, Bob. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, he's an explosive athlete. He's not going anywhere. And they're going to be going through a bit of a transformation stage, but I think they have enough pieces there. And with their draft position, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think they're going to try to build off a guy like DK. Yeah, with DK Metcalf, my thought process is maybe they don't want – they see all these contracts, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, all these big contracts, Stephon Diggs. And they don't want to pay DK that kind of money while they're going through a quarterback transition. They don't know who the starter is going to be long term. However, Geno Smith and him had a nice connection, and they actually were the only thing working. If anything, it makes more sense to trade Tyler Lockett because him and him and Russell had that you know tele, telekinesis or whatever you call it, telepathic ability just to be in the right spot. So maybe Lockett makes more sense to go out the door. But overall, I I don't think he is going to be true. You you know. You don't get lucky and get a guy in the second round like DK Metcalf and then trade him three, there, three years later. So, yeah, I, agree. I wouldn't either. All right, let's talk about this today. We're going to be talking about players with the most to gain and lose. We're talking NFC West. Let's talk about the first team on our list, Buck. It's the Arizona Cardinals. So, give me your thoughts on a player to gain or lose the most value based on what happens in the NFL draft. So, they're, they're picking at 23 kind of puts them in a weird flex spot there where they could go, in my opinion, one of two ways. I think they're going to land on either a wide receiver or a lineman, and the wide receiver has a lot more to do with who's there and whether or not it's their their top target at that position, maybe top two. But they could use some work on the offensive line there. I think they're going to go wide receiver or O-line at 23. Now, with that in mind, the wide receiver depth, it's there in terms of investment in draft picks. What what the organization has done in the last three years, you see that they have young talent. Not all of them have quite emerged on the scene. Rondale Moore has moments in the sun, 
but it's still a work in progress with Rondale Moore finding the position that really fits him best and and where he is in a scheme to maximize his ability is really going to be the ultimate sign of his progression and hopefully you know his explosion onto the league here in his second season but then you have guys like Andy Isabella you have some different pieces in there I'm just there isn't enough sold talent that's used to playing at this level at a consistent basis when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray, who I, I I have to say, I think he really relies on his weapons. We know we got a big weapon there, but we need Rondale Moore to be that secondary. I think they need a receiver to get him over the edge, but regardless, they draft offensive line that helps Kyler. They draft uh, like a darn good first round wide receiver there at 23. You know, I really think that that Kyler could even improve and and you know, he's shown that it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride. You got highs, you got lows. Straighten that thing out. I think they're going to draft offense there at 23. You know, you don't you don't really strike fire twice with a guy like Kyler. So, I'm excited to see what Kyler does and what the Cardinals do with this 23rd draft pick. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of the receivers, it, it, my guy immediately goes to Rondell Moore and you could easily, easily put Hopkins here because one of the things that you you're going to notice is that this team went from in 2019 or two, sorry, 2020, it was basically the Hopkins show and Hopkins got all the targets. And then in 2021, they invested in, you know, getting AJ green in the house. They also brought in Rondell Moore. They bring in Zach Ertz mid season. And now all of a sudden there's plenty of targets and Hopkins is banged up. Now, when you look at vacated targets, the Arizona Cardinals are vacating 258 targets, and those are prominent targets. They're not just fringe guys. We're talking about Chase Edmonds, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, all gone right now. 61 red zone targets and 20 end zone targets from last year. So there's a lot of scoring opportunity available as well. And, of course, Hopkins is going to eat some of that himself. But Rondell Moore right now today, his ADP is outside the top 100 picks. He's playing with a very good quarterback in Kyler Murray. But the thing I always bring, and I talk about this a lot, is I like to see like where these guys are getting their targets. And Rondell Moore was basically used as a gadget player last year. He was used a lot. His average depth of target was the lowest among his wide receiver and tight ends, 1.2 yards per a target. 1.2 yards. That's nearly impossible. And he still somehow figured out a way to average 1.6 yards per route run. That's just right behind a player like, for example, Amon Ross St. Brown. So I do feel that once you start seeing better targets down the field, you know, guys like Christian Kirk were used more in the vertical passing game, AJ Green in the immediate passing game. He starts getting more targets. He's shown that he actually is a productive player when his A dot is the lowest in the NFL, like literally the lowest amongst wide receivers. So that's something that's encouraging for him. But if you just compare him against, this was a very good uh, year for rookie wide receivers, of course, Chase Edmonds. Sorry, Jamar Chase, for example, he was eighth in yards per route run amongst all the qualified players who saw at least 20 targets among rookies. So there was 20 players that qualified. He was eight. So he's still above average. And like I just brought up, he's right behind a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, who's going way higher than him and plays with a much inferior quarterback than he does. So I think at pick 114, I'm feeling uh, Rondell Moore. And I think if they don't go and get a day one or day two receiver, he's someone that'll be targeting in drafts in 2022. Man, I, I was in love with Rondale Moore at Purdue, so I'm used to this. Like, Rondale Moore, he's just a highlight show waiting to happen. It's only a matter of time until, yeah, he takes that next step from just being a guy that receives the ball around the line of scrimmage, and he'll take it to that next level here. 
All right, we got the L.A. Rams here, huh? L.A. Rams, Super Bowl champs, no first rounder. I think Akers gets the benefit of the doubt here. Um, you know, we saw Stafford. He kind of got beaten down a little bit last year, but obviously the guy is a, a damn warrior. He's proven that for many years in his playing style. I think they got to shore up that offensive line just a little bit. So I think they will load up on the O-line here going down. But I think this will be Acres' season. I mean, it really has to be. This is kind of a make-or-break, get-your-money type of season for Cam Akers. I think he has a big season, so I think they're going to protect him, protect Stafford, and uh, get some good help on the O-line there. Akers, listen, I think what the most exciting about Akers is the dedication to a single back. Early on in the season, it was Henderson last year. Then it was Sony Michelle. The fact that they were willing to give one guy almost 20 carries, and they gave Akers in the playoffs in the last week of the season big workloads too, so I do agree. I like that a lot. My guy is actually Allen Robinson. And just just let's take a moment and remember Allen Robinson prior to last season. Like, pour one out for your homies because Allen Robinson oh, yeah. just evaporated and just might have been the worst pick non-injury-related in fantasy football history. It could have been that bad. Like, it was yeah. historically bad. But when I'm looking at Allen Robinson, the first thing that gets me excited about him and why he could be huge for next season is look at what Odell Beckham did just last year, coming to this team late midseason when you have Stafford and Sean McVay and you have Cooper Cup taking all the coverage away. You know, a guy like Odell started to show what he was back in 2014, 15, and 16. Um, so he turned back the clock. So I, it gets me excited. And it, currently his ADP right now, and this is going to be important for what I'm going to, about to bring up. His ADP is wide receiver 35, 74th overall. If you just look at the vacated targets from Beckham and Woods last year, it comes out to 117 targets. If you look at his catch rate, career catch rate, he would have had 68 catches. Yards per target would give him 878 yards, and touchdowns percentage off those targets would have given him about five and a half touchdowns. So that number has come out to about 154 points. That would have been wide receiver 30 last year, right with Devonta Smith. Okay. So I just gave you his numbers, career numbers. That would have been wide receiver 30. His ADP is wide receiver 35. That's with Blake Bortles, Chan, Chad Henney. Uh, let's see, Blaine Gabbert, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles. Uh, let's say a little dash of Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. Now the murderer's guy, row, Bob. Bro, oh, the murderer's Matt, row. With Matt Nagy fucking DJing back there, just <laughs> dialing up the best plays for this fucking guy. No, it's not a thing. Now you drop that player with you knowing this kind of in the back of your head is his baseline. Like, all right, you know, that could be his baseline. Wide receiver 30 based on his career averages. Okay, and now you throw Stafford in that, Sean McVay. I, I try to promote no changes when I try to evaluate players. I like to, I like consistency in fantasy, but, geez, it's going to be tough to pass up on Allen Robinson at 74th overall. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great one. I, I'm actually – that's probably the free agent signing when it comes to fantasy that I'm most excited about just because I think there's so much volatility with where he's going to be drafted just based on the reflection of years of sorrow for this fine receiver, Alan Robinson stuck yeah. in legitimate wide receiver purgatory, which was purely dependent on his a his quarterbacks B. I mean, what do you do with just the entire offensive play calling situations that he had to survive through? Don't get it. 
damn near impossible. So yeah, I think this is a men in black, just totally fade memory on Allen Robinson, except Mm -hmm. for that first year in Jacksonville. And that's what you need to think about. Remember that? I mean, quarterback play wasn't there, but he was the offense and he was electric. I'm huge on the Allen Robinson. Just go back to 2020. <laughs> you don't even have to go that far. Just I like going way year. back, Bob. Blast away the last five years of my life. And you could do that. But if you want to do the short-term version, just look at 2020 and 2019 when the guy got 150 targets. It was a, a borderline <laughs> wide receiver one. So, But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Let's jump down to San Francisco, Buck. Give me what you got. Yeah, so here for Sam Fran, man, I, I, I just love their approach. That Shanahan takes it. It there's something so old school yet nuanced about it. It's like a very new approach to an old offense, and it's all about two things: number one, blocking, and number two, just pushing it down the other team's throat. And that's what they like to do. I like Eli Mitchell. He he might be Bob, and this is no exaggeration. He might be like a early second round pick for me this year. That's how high I am, despite the fact that there are contenders there for that, you know, for, for carries in that offense. I just think Eli Mitchell is the best one of the bunch and it's not even close. And I think with the moves they've made, they're set up for success. I look for them to pick up the missing link, a nice guard. And by that point, Debo gets even a little bit of work that we saw last year. But I, I actually think, that helps Eli Mitchell when Debo takes some of the focus off him. I look for both of those fellows to have some great seasons. Debo, I'm going to stay away from this year just because I think his value is very much inflated. But Eli Mitchell, that's just going to be a guy that I know is going to rise in drafts. But it's a player and system I truly believe in. And I think they go offensive line here and, and he bolsters his chances for a big year. Okay. Yeah, before I get into my guy for the San Francisco 49ers, we're going to take a quick commercial break for our new one of our sponsors, Carefactor. We'll be back right after this. Hey, TCK Potters and Fantasy Focus community. Are you looking for options for hair loss? There are many options out there for treating it. However, most products treat the cause, such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with Carafactor. Carafactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, The Carefactor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarefactor.com. That's shop.mycarefactor.com. Carefactor, skincare for hair. All right, let's talk about the my guy for this team. And I kind of got to double up a little bit. It is a combination of that running back room. So Debo, Ayuk, uh, you know, and then their wide receiver three. I'm blanking on him now. He, he was, uh, I want to say it's Juwan Jennings. 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 Yes. Yeah, Juwan Jennings. Kind of emerged last year with George Kittle. That So 
when it comes to Elijah Mitchell, I, doing some little research on him today, just kind of looking at some of the stuff, th- thought I was interesting is that the, the San Francisco 49ers did not draft a running back uh, with Kyle Shanahan as the head coach since 2017. They drafted Joe Williams in, two, in the fourth round that year. And after that, they did not draft in 18, 19, 20. And then in 2021, they drafted Sermon and then also Elijah Mitchell. So the likelihood they're going to now draft another running back is probably low. So I'm not too nervous about this. Um, What I am nervous about with Elijah Mitchell, and I think this is kind of a Trey Sermon take, is that I think the reason why they went after Sermon is because they haven't had a lot of luck keeping guys healthy that are smaller, quicker backs. You know, Raheem Mostert more of a slim type, tall, lengthy guy, not a big bulk, bulk, like an A.J. Dillon type. Neither was Matt Breda, you know, either Tevin Coleman. I mean, Tevin Coleman a little bit bigger, but so here's, I just wanted to do some research and everyone's going to say, you know, they can't, the same running backs don't repeat. And it's not because they don't want them to, it's because of injuries. Look at Matt Breda leads the, uh, first of all, Carlos side 2017 was the last running back to have over 200 carries Prior to Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell had over 200 carries, no running backs in 2017 for the 49ers had over 200 carries. That's important to me because that means they dedicated a lot more work to Elijah Mitchell than they have done over any of these running backs. Breida, Mostert, Sir, um, you know, Wilson, Coleman, you name it. Mitchell's been the guy who got the most work since Carlos Hyde. But when you look at the numbers, Elijah, uh, so 2018, Matt Breida leads the team in rushing in 2019. Weeks one through nine, he was averaging 12.4 carries per game, gets hurt in week 10, finishes the season with 4.6 carries per game in three games. So it wasn't because they weren't going to give this ball. At 12.4 carries per game puts you right in line with 200 carries on the season. So Matt Breda was on his way to doing that. 2019 comes around. Same thing happened. Raheem Boster has a big season. However, the following year plays eight games. That's it. But in those eight games, pretty much around that 12 to 15 range in carries. Following year happens again. Moster gets hurt early. Wilson leads the team in carries in 2020. Guess what? He gets hurt, and then he gets hurt in 2021, which leads to all this stuff. So my point is, maybe in the back of our minds, we have to remember that these running backs keep getting hurt, these smaller backs, 5'10", 200-pound running back Elijah Mitchell. Maybe if Trey Sermon takes another step, if he locks in that RB2 role in the San Francisco, takes one injury, and then you'll see Shanahan's been known to ride the other guy in the second half of the season. It doesn't necessarily just give the ball back to that running back who started the year. So maybe Trey Sermon is someone that can gain a lot this draft if the 49ers don't go get depth in 2022. Yeah, I think Sermon could certainly play a role here, but it's kind of funny. I'm not going to call you a hypocrite, Bob, but I got to call you on something because you said you don't judge the movement when you judge the player. But do you judge the other players in the same system when you're judging a player in Mitchell? You're talking about the injuries and the accumulation, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, like, I understand tracking trends is all well and good. But injuries can happen to Trey Sermon just as easily as they can happen to Elijah Mitchell. You know, I I think there is there's a correlation between the number of carries and the chance of injury. There's no doubt about that, right? You're yeah, getting hit getting on those plays. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> exactly. And I get that, but, but I look at a guy like Eli and I'm just, I don't know. There's something so natural about the way he runs and he just fits like a glove into that scheme. 100%. And yet, yeah, yeah, Sermon will give him blows. I think he'll get more blows this coming year than he got last year. 
I listen, I let, don't hear what I'm not saying. The last Mitchell missed six games last year. So we've already There's seen that. him miss time. I think Elijah Mitchell's the better running back. I think he's the better fit. And I pray to the fantasy football gods that he plays 17 games. But we've just seen in this Shanahan scheme, because of the guys that fit the best with Shanahan's scheme, they just seem like they don't stay healthy. I mean, you can say what you want about Carlos Hyde, but he stayed healthy, but he wasn't the best fit for Shanahan. But the guy got 240 carries, played the entire season. So I'm just saying, like maybe an A.J. Dillon, because Matt LaFleur are boys. You see what A.J. Dillon, that big, bulky back, I think maybe in the back of his mind, he's thinking, if I want my guy to continue to work in this play 17 games, I might need someone a little bit bigger. But listen, I think Elijah Mitchell does fit like a glove. Bob, there's a first time for everything, my friend, even after a five-year sample. Okay. My LDLs were record high. That's cholesterol, folks. Record Mm -hmm. high for five consecutive years. All it took was a Java smoothie every single day. With a little athletic greens in there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, all right. And I had one of those every single day for the last year. LDLs, perfect, baby. So there's always a chance for the breakthrough, even with five years of track record. Just so you could, say that, you could say the same thing about Debo last year, right? It just took a healthy season from Debo for him to explode. He always showed the talent, couldn't stay on the field. I get it. I'm, I listen. I'm in on Elijah Mitchell. I want to be. I'm in. I know you I, are. I, I throw. I throw away injury. I don't give a shit because, like you just said, anybody can get hurt at any time. I mean, Derrick Henry's the biggest, bulkiest back in the world, and he got hurt last year. So I totally understand. I am not saying that. What I'm trying to say though is here is what's a player to gain just based on the recent trends. I think the biggest winner of the group is probably Elijah Mitchell that could gain the most, and I think. The, but I'm not worried about Elijah Mitchell. That's the thing. So I'm just thinking about my Trace Herman <laughs> could probably be had for like a dirt, like your last pick in a dynasty draft and no one's going to want him. And you could probably just get him real cheap and see what happens. And it just takes That's another sure. one of these scenarios, another Matt Breda, Raheem Moster, Tevin Coleman, Jeff Wilson injury to, and even Elijah Mitchell only played 11 games last year. So it's just, it's just the food for thought. There's a domino effect there. So we're going to Seattle here. I have a few different ones listed out, but, I'm actually looking forward to the emergence of one Freddie Swain. Freddie Swain doesn't miss time. Freddie Swain played with a bunch of different quarterbacks in his time at Florida, and he excelled with every single one of them in his role. I think he's just finding himself as a player, and I actually look forward to the transition into a rookie quarterback with Freddie Swain. I don't think it's going to be Drew Locke. I think he loses the most with this situation. Seattle is in prime position to draft whatever the QB one is on their board. I think it's going to be Malik Willis simply because that's what the experts all are pandering at this point. But it also, because when you think about like for like fit with this system and quarterback, and there, there really isn't another Russell Wilson, but if I had a comp for him, this is based on limited film study and more of the uh, more looking at things from the combine. Malik Willis, rocket cannon arm, nimble on his feet, escapes pressure, throws well on the move, and kind of similar to Russell Wilson. So I'm just thinking if they go with a guy like Willis, I actually look forward to a connection between a guy like Freddie Swain and that quarterback. Why? Rookie quarterbacks, what do they struggle to do? Find the first read, find the second read. Well, who's the third read going to be, Bob? 
Freddie Swain. No fan. Um, it, well, I yeah, love no fan. He was on my list till. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I listen. I, I before let's before let's take another. You just brought up a great, great, great brand. It's Athletic Greens. We'll be right back after this, and I'll tell you a little bit about my player for the Seattle Seahawks. Athletic Greens. We'll be back right after that. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one with top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide variety of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop with a cup of water every single day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune support, vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products do not intend to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, let's talk about my player for the Seattle Seahawks. It's Rashad Penny because last year was like, finally we got the glimpse of like his talent. And when me and Sky did our, our podcast last year on NFL draft capital and the importance of it, running back hit rate for first round RBs was pretty high. And like, there was literally only two guys who really didn't return value. One of whom was Rashad Penny um, over the last, you know, five, I think it was five years or so, whatever we did sample size. He was the RB one, not like RB one top 12, like the number one overall RB over the last five weeks of last year, 21 and a half points per game. Okay. That's two points higher than Austin Eckler averaged all last season. So, I, I totally understand it doesn't seem feasible, but 92 carries, 671 yards, and six touchdowns over that span. He did it all on the ground. Now, I'm not saying Rashad Penny is going to be the number one running back in fantasy, but my thing is he's not. Because of the Chris Carson situation, no one is trying to draft Rashad Penny that high. And if it wasn't for me having my filter on just wide receivers, I would have been able to search where Rashad Penny's being, and now we can. So 90th overall. It's where he's being drafted. So my thing is, exactly. It's just like, at that point, I could take Rashad Penny in the eighth round of my draft. And if I don't feel that comfortable with it, I'll take Chris Carson in the 11th and 12th and just see what happens. My thing is, this offense and the way they're talking, they're going to be dedicated to the run. You come Shane Waldron, his offense, Sean McVay, all these guys where he comes from, do dedicate to one back typically. And I do like that for Rashad Penny. So, I do think I would like to see them invest a little bit more in the line. And if a rookie quarterback comes in, at least it infuses talent. I would like to see that. But if it's Geno Smith, you know, I guess maybe the touchdown upside is not as high. But overall, just that ridiculous ceiling that we saw last year, that's why I think he has a lot to gain. If they don't invest in a running back at all, it shows that maybe they're going to give him a shot to earn the job long term. Yeah, I don't see him investing in a running back through the draft until – fifth sixth round at the very earliest like i could see them just taking a grab on somebody there but i just feel like when you're in a transition 
it's best to get the best possible prospect at quarterback in as early as possible, right? You had your worst season in years. I think the quarterback's going to come in, and I think that's great news for Rashad Penny. I really do. I think a rookie quarterback with him at running back, it's a good match. I'm fearful for Carson, you know, recovering from neck surgery, all that. I mean, it's going to be a long road back for Carson. Neck surgery is no joke. It's just not. Yeah, I, I think the other thing I'm just thinking about, too, is do you think that Willis is going to make it to nine? There seems a lot of buzz about him. I mean, you have Detroit, Houston, the Giants, Panthers, and even Atlanta all ahead of them. Do you think he makes it to nine? I think there's a lot of questions about him, not his talent, but just what I kind of reference. I haven't seen enough of him, you know, playing the game at a high level, played at a lower level um, at Liberty. So you just don't really know what you're getting with him. And plus, I think it's all about how they interview. Apparently, like Malik Willis is amazing. So, yeah, I could see him slipping away. But I think there's just enough meat on top of the bone here where there can be two quarterbacks that I really like, both for Seattle, and that would be uh, possibly Pickett along with Malik Willis here. So I think they they land one of the two of them, and I think they both have similar but not exactly equal skill sets. Yeah, and this idea that they're trying to get younger probably helps Penny a little bit. They do have three, four picks in the top 75. So they're, even if, if he gets through, you know, he has 40, 41, 72 for Seattle. So there's a lot of firepower for them to take a running back. But at the same time, you know, I don't think they will. I think you're right. I think they're going to rebuild the defense. I think Pete Carroll wants a dominant defense. They have a lot of holes back there too. But listen, not having Russ, trading away Russ and letting Bobby Wagner walk, I, it's a clear sign that they're – I guess Pete Carroll feels a young, young 70-plus because he's like – he's all in on this rebuild. And and if it's Geno as a stopgate with Drew Locke and then Willis, you know, I, I, I'm i not really concerned about it. I think at that point, I think Penny offers you enough upside at 90th overall to take the shot. All right, man, listen, that's all we got for today. This was the NFC West, players with the most to gain and lose from the NFL draft. Once again, I'm your host, Bobby LaMarco. That's Buck. All of our podcasts are brought to you by Bet Online AG and a part of the Believe Podcast Network. This is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy Focus YouTube channel. And as a reminder, folks, follow us everywhere. On Twitter, we're on TikTok. We are everywhere across the board. Instagram. So make sure you're following us here. Make sure you're following us on the podcast side at the Candlestick Kids. But thank you guys for joining. I'm Bob. That's Buck. We're out of here. Good night, sweet prince. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.